It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 17th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Great to have you back this week. Good to be back and uh, looking forward to a good discussion tonight. We look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com, or if you're listening to us live tonight, the chat window uh, to the bottom of your video feed is uh, open uh, for you to sign in and comment there. We'll look forward to your thoughts there. Um, Dad, I got to, I had to listen to the podcast last week. That podcast uh, feed nope. is up and going. Still, still working. Go find that at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And uh, it uh, was a good way to catch up on what I'd missed. And so if you miss a program, be sure to catch it out. In the I, think, podcast. I think we've got several people, Jacob, who listen uh, probably tomorrow morning. They use it as their driving to work uh, audio. Yep. And uh, I get some comments about the sermon podcast, too. If we don't put one up or if uh, there's something folks want to hear in the sermon podcast, uh, that feed is up as well. Uh, you can catch that at our, uh, find it at our website or find us on iTunes. Look for the College View Sermon Podcast. And uh, you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon presented to the College View Church of Christ. We hope you'll check that out. All right. All right. Well, uh, I don't think we have any news to report as far as uh, any special announcements. And so let's dive right into our study for tonight. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out an email telling you what our program was going to be about tonight. That's the topic and asking some questions that we hope to cover during uh, our discussion. If you're not on our update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and we will do it. Um, We want to discuss tonight, Jacob, the topic of, well, I think the word we officially use is benevolence, but in very simple terms, the idea of helping needy people. You know, we're sort of moving into the time of year when that will be more so on people's minds than at other times of the year. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, because I really do think, as we study the Scriptures, that the Lord expects us to be a benevolent people. Right, right. Um, I was I was thinking about, you know, the judgment scene that Jesus depicted in Matthew chapter 25. Yeah. And to those that were to be blessed or rewarded in the judgment, he said, I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. And so it's obvious that Jesus in the judgment says those things will be important. But to the people who were to be punished in the judgment, he said the same things, only they didn't do those things. Right. So uh, there in the scene of the judgment, Jesus indicated that uh, it would be very important uh, how we related to those that we were in a position to help. It's interesting that he picks that. There will be a lot of things that people are judged about, but he picked that in that uh, that account. Yeah. So it's certainly of significance. It is. It is really important. And, you know, we live in a really, really blessed time. We have a, a, a material abundance, the likes of which people in the world have not known in the history of time. Right. Uh, and that being the case, I think that we really are accountable and we need to understand our accountability and we need to be busy doing what we can. We've often said that uh, opportunity uh, or excuse me, responsibility is is sort of the combination of opportunity and ability. So I'm responsible. If I have an opportunity to help someone and I have the means to help someone, then I'm responsible to help that person. Now, take away either one of those things. If no, if no opportunity confronts me, obviously I, I'm, I'm not responsible. Or if there is an opportunity to help, but I don't have the capacity to help, I'm not responsible. Right. But when I have an opportunity and I have an ability, I should do what I could. All right. 
So you asked some questions today of our listeners and uh, several questions. Yeah, let's start out here. Number one, what are the positive attitudes and motives that we should possess toward needy people? Okay. Number two, is it wrong to show special benevolent consideration to Christians versus Mm non-Christians? Number three, how can we maintain and observe a balance in providing for both the physical needs and spiritual necessities of others? Right. Number four, what are some of the things that should cause us to decide not to help a certain individual who is in need? Number five, comment on the popular idea of feeding a man's body so we will have a chance to feed his soul. Some of our religious friends and neighbors use that, that philosophy. And number six, what's the role of the church in helping needy people? All right. 877-381-4567 is the best way for your voice to be heard tonight. You can let it be heard literally. Give us a call. The toll-free line is open. We want to hear your thoughts on this important right. subject. we got some more people creeping They're into creeping the chat room. I see the, Anthony in there. They're not creepy, but they are creeping in. Mike in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, I see Arthur and Sarah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we see several out there who are listening. Get in, uh, others of you, get in there and join in in this discussion. Yeah. Uh, when, when you proposed the subject, though, I did think this is a timely uh, topic. Uh, it certainly is on people's minds. That uh, not necessarily that uh, we need it needs to be limited to this time of year, but certainly it is a time of year when folks uh, tend to think more along these lines. Yeah. You know, it won't be uh, long now. Uh, in fact, it may have already started in places where when we go into the to the stores, the Salvation Army bell ringers will be out there with their red kettles collecting contributions. I think, I sort of checked on this, I think we did a program one time on the right. Salvation Army. Right. And, th- and, and the Salvation Army is a false religious organization right. and they don't teach the truth of god they pervert the scriptures they they are they teach salvation by faith only uh you know and someone could argue they do good by virtue of helping needy people uh but the fact of the matter is that they they don't teach they pervert god's truth and and for that reason i would encourage people not to participate with the salvation army or to be in fellowship with the salvation army because they're not teaching the truth of the gospel, they're actually perverting it. But that their presence at, at the entrance to Walmart and so forth uh, certainly brings to mind the need to help people, not just at this time of year, but all, all times. And I, I do think it's more on people's minds. This is sort of the season of giving. Yeah, and uh, so we need to be doing that. And, uh, and by the way, you can look in our archives to find that program on the Salvation Army if you have any questions about who they are and what they stand for. Sure, person, or send a comment in the chat room if you got some of those. Uh, you know, I, I think we've got to be careful. That a lot of folks take it, and we can all be tempted to take sort of a cynical attitude that uh, we can look for reasons why to excuse ourselves from from engaging in benevolence. Yeah, and and we want to talk about that some. Uh, uh, but I, I, I guess I would start, Jacob, sort of with the uh, the premise is that we ought to err on the side of generosity. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to make there's a lot of judgment calls involved in helping people in need. And as you say, I think the danger is that we grow cynical when I think what we ought to do is if we're going to make a mistake, let's make a mistake on the side of being generous. Uh, you know, uh, there'll be some mistakes of judgment. Any, anytime there's judgment involved, there'll be we'll make some mistakes. But let's make a mistake on the side of being generous rather than the side of being stingy or greedy. All right, and uh, you, well, talking about judgment on, on the other side of that coin, you know, we can always look at the people that are in need and say, well, you know, they wouldn't be in need if they had practiced better judgment. You know, yeah. If they hadn't. Put themselves in that position, and they wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be in need right now if they'd made some better decisions. And so we sometimes excuse ourselves with on that side of thing on on their judgment. So uh, uh, our judgment's involved in this as well. But the judgment of the people who may be in need, uh, they may have made some bad decisions, they may have uh, made some mistakes that caused them to be in this position. But that certainly doesn't excuse us, and we can talk about that as we go. I would think that probably the vast majority of people, at least in our place in the world, now there's other places in the world where people are in legitimate need, and they couldn't do anything about it if they wanted to. Right. But in our place and time, you could pretty well say across the board, almost categorically, if not categorically, but almost, that anybody who's in a needy situation, they probably has made some bad life choices. That's but that does not necessarily mean that they're not worthy of our help. And we right. need to be careful about just throwing a blanket out there and covering them all and say they're not worthy. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. As we get along into the discussion tonight, Anthony says, I believe statistics show Americans are the most benevolent and charitable in the world. Interesting. I hadn't seen that. And, and, you know, and I I think you're right, Anthony. And... uh, I think just last week in the bulletin, Anthony, you've if you've got an old bulletin hanging around there, you might put uh, look up that stat for us. And, and we may, I think it might be in our trends uh, 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 tonight when we have our little trends segment. But it's interesting that believers, self-identified Christians, are way more generous than atheists and agnostics, which is kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Uh, I was going to pull that up here uh, for you. Uh, you see uh, recent poll, Ask American. Uh, uh, no, 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 that's not in. It wasn't this. It this, wasn't this week. No, it might have been the week before. It okay. might have been the week before then. Okay. okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think it was the week before. And it's good, but it's going to be in our trends update here in just a minute. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to that. All right. Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, Americans are generous. Uh, and those who identify as Christians are more generous than others. And that's that's all good. That's a positive thing. And it's got to be the influence of our Lord Jesus Christ who taught us to be so. Yes. All right. And uh, and we need to we need to make sure that uh, well, just because our society may be more generous than others, it doesn't uh, that we still have a personal individual responsibility. We'll talk about that as we go along tonight. All right. All right. Let's talk about some of the positive attitudes and motives that we ought to have in regards to people who are in need and our ability to help them. And one of the things that I think that a word that I would use, Jacob, is sacrificial. sacrificial. We, ought, we ought to we ought to be benevolent to the point that we're sacrificing in order to be benevolent. I don't really think we do much of that. You know, if we help people, we help them out of our abundance. But we don't. It's very rare for us. I confess my own neglect in this way too. It's very rare for us to do without so that we can help somebody else who needs help. It's yeah. very rare. Yeah. Uh, but in Second Corinthians chapter 8, uh, the Apostle Paul commended Christians in the region of Macedonia. He says in Second Corinthians 8, beginning verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take on us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Paul here, this uh, it was describing his effort to take up a contribution among the churches to send to the needy saints in, in Jerusalem and and these Christians in Macedonia wanted badly to be a part of it. They were poor people. He sp- he speaks of the depth of their poverty, and but they were willing to do what was really beyond their power to participate in this. They were really sacrificial in their giving. You know, I was thinking about the the equation you presented earlier about responsibility equals ability and opportunity. Well, these folks had the opportunity. They may have been a little bit lacking on the opportunity. Uh, of the ability. ability yeah. yeah. Uh, they may have been a little lacking in the ability, but they still gave. And so maybe we need to reassess our abilities and maybe prioritize some of the things that we put in our in our financial uh, budgeting. Uh, you know, it's uh, after I have a new car and after I've saved up for the vacation and after I do this and do that, then if there's anything left, well, maybe we put the giving in front of some of those other things. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. right. Okay. So uh, first attitude, and this was the first question that we sent out today, what are the positive attitudes and motives we should possess toward the need? One, be sacrificial. Two, do it out of love. We ought to be motivated out of love. Um, I think too often when we do things such as helping the needy we do it because we feel we have to mm-hmm. and we sort of we sort of have a sense of dreaded obligation i'm going to do it because i understand it's necessary to do it but i really don't want to do it you know that's not a loving attitude. what if we did that to our wives you know well i uh, here's some flowers we're going to give you these flowers didn't really want to do it but 
I know it's expected of me, and so I'm going to do it. You think the wives would be happy with that bouquet of flowers yeah, yeah. under those circumstances? Yeah. They wouldn't be. Uh, people people uh, need to be motivated out of love when they do what is good and right, and we should be in regards to our giving. Uh, in First John chapter 3, beginning verse 17, Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Notice, you don't have any love in you if you won't help. But he says we ought to be motivated. We ought to act out of love. Show our love, not just in word, but in deed. We ought to have a bowels of compassion, he says. And and that's what we ought to possess. We ought to be motivated because we love our fellow men. And when we have legitimate opportunity and situation to help, we ought to do it. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. And uh, so I think we need to be looking for those opportunities. Is you, you, If you got your eyes shut, you're not going to see your brother have need. But yeah. uh, maybe open up your eyes and see that and uh, realize uh, the situation that we find others in. Yeah, Paul, Paul you know, I think a lot of people will remember 1 Corinthians 13. Paul talks about love, and he says, If I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity or love, it profits nothing. So if we don't do this out of love, if we do it out of a dreaded obligation, it's probably not, we might as well keep it in our pocket, likely. Right. Okay. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. And just as a, a sidebar, there, uh, Paul's statement in First Corinthians thirteen verse three uh, is stated in such a way that Paul doesn't expect, and God doesn't expect us to you know, declare a vow of poverty or to get rid of everything that we have. It's not wrong to have possessions. Uh, Paul's saying that sort of is a hyperbole there. Yeah, yeah, it was hyperbole, exaggeration for emphasis. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so it's not wrong. Sometimes we feel guilty. Oh, uh, I've got uh, I've got a warm bed to sleep in tonight, and others don't. So I should feel guilty about that. No, no, you shouldn't. But if you have opportunity to help, uh, you, we need to be helping. Yeah, uh, I think Paul wrote about this in in First uh, Timothy chapter six. Um, he said. Charge them that are rich in this world. Yeah. What? What did he say charge? What, right. what What charge did he say to give them? That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Notice, they're, they're rich. They were rich people. And they weren't obligated to... to Take yeah. that vow of poverty, but they were expected to use their blessings uh, in an appropriate way. And uh, we might say that anyone who's uh, listening to us on their iPhone or their personal computer with a high-speed Internet connection tonight uh, would fall into the category of those in verse 17, those who are rich. Charge those that are rich. Yeah, that's uh, that's everybody that's listening tonight. Yeah, that's you. That's you. That's me. That's us all. Right. Okay. So we uh, we need to be aware of our responsibilities as those who've been fortunate enough to have an abundance of physical possessions. All right, um, let's uh, get a break, and when we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. If you've not signed in the chat room, if you've not shared your thoughts, uh, sign in and share there. We'll be back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College View Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Christ established his church to save sinners, not to serve dinners. Nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. Man, wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. All right, we're back on the program tonight. We're talking about benevolence and our responsibility in this area. Certainly it is important. It is a... uh, uh, a factor that will weigh in the judgment, as Jesus told us, uh, that uh, he's going to be looking to see how benevolent we were. And so we're looking at considerations for that and uh, attitudes that uh, and motivations for being benevolent. In the chat room tonight, uh, Mike says, Acts chapter, and he references Acts chapter 4, Christians sold houses and land to help out the brethren in need. I've given money to help before, but I've never sold something and giving the proceeds to them. Very encouraging to see the extent... They went through to help, and certainly it is, and that's that's some extreme giving there. Yeah, you know, and there there would be people who'd say, "Well, that's what we ought to do. We ought to sell all our property. We ought to we ought to sell and give and live communally," and that's not the case. That that was an extreme situation, but we know other situations uh, are described in the New Testament where Christians held private property, where as we just read in First Timothy six, Christians there were rich Christians, but. In all of it, it is to use our resources uh, faithfully and uh, be generous and and, uh, uh, love our fellow man, love our brethren, and so forth. But I think Mike J. makes a good point in the chat room. Uh, They set a high bar. They really do. To that point, uh, Anthony agrees. He says, good point. I think benevolence is just something that has to be taught from the ground up. It's not built into our DNA enough. We are not raised, most of us, learning about giving or helping others to the great degree that those Christians did. I think that's correct. All right, certainly. Excellent comments. Thank you for those. Okay, let's keep talking real quickly. We're going to have to move a little bit quicker here if we're going to get done. But we we want to talk about positive attitudes and motives for helping the needy. We talked about being sacrificial, motivated by love. We need to be sincere, not seeking to do this for our own praise. Jesus warned about that. We can comment about this real quickly. And I think everybody listening probably remembers from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talked about those who did their alms Mm -hmm. to be seen of men. Matthew 6, verse 1, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. You, you can go after one of two rewards. You can You can do what you do to be seen of men and receive their praise that's one reward and if you do it then once you got their praise that's all you're going to get you right. you have the reward you saw right. it but if you do your alms not to be seen of men but rather to the glory of god then he will reward you uh do it in secret don't make a big show of it don't do it to be seen of men i think we've all known people who who did such things for the glory they could attract to themselves because of what they did and and Jesus plainly taught not to do it that way. So we, we ought to be very careful uh, to do this not to be seen of men. Yes, it certainly is. That is not the goal. And uh, certainly there's some, some temptation to say, oh, I would like other people to know. Yeah, well, how, how many of us have known people who could not do a good deed without letting other people know about it? They had to, we, we even have an expression for it, they had to toot their own horn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've got, we got to get some got to get some mileage out of this. If I'm going to do it, I want to you know yeah. get something out of it. Well, you're going to get something out of it, yes. and, and you don't need to worry about getting something from men. You're I tell you, get... I've always been through the years. I've been so encouraged by people who who were busy doing good works, benevolence, and all kinds of good deeds, and no one I mean, no one would ever know about it. Right. 
from from what they but but the, the the kind of people I'm thinking of the people you know you maybe you you go to visit someone who's been sick and every time you go that person's already been there that right. person's already helped that person's already done something you know yeah. you can't beat them to the punch but the, but you wouldn't know about it unless you happen to stumble uh, across it because you you were it may be more tardy than you should have been. You were trying to do something and found out that these other people have already been there. They've already right. done it. Right. But they're not talking about it. You would never know it from their own lips. Right. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Motivations and attitudes in our giving. And generous. Just, let's just throw out the word generous. We, yeah. we need to be generous. Yeah. Uh, in, in in that context, we mentioned earlier Second Corinthians eight and nine, and and that's in a context where Paul was talking about Christians making gifts to the needy saints in Jerusalem, and in the context of that, he said, uh, "He this is Second Corinthians nine verse six. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully." Now, I think that pertains to all of our giving to the works that Lord, the Lord would have us to do. But it certainly pertains to benevolence, too. Yeah. Be, be generous. Be bountiful. I like Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 on this subject. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Um, fairly indiscriminate there. Uh, gener- generosity is uh, per- uh, described there in Ecclesiastes and, chapter 11. I, I think so. And as I said earlier, I said, I, I, I think let our fault be on the side of generosity rather than the side of stinginess. You know, someone said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you gave some money to a guy last week and I saw him uptown buying liquor with it, you know. Well, I didn't intend for that to happen. And I really try to take some safeguards to prevent that sort of thing from happening. Right. But I have no doubt that when we give, Sometimes people will misuse the gifts we give yeah, them. Right. You know, uh, so so instead of giving them cash, you carry some food to a needy person. Fine, good. But those needy people have been known to take that food and sell it and use the money to go buy booze or drugs. You know, uh, take pres- we'll talk here in a minute. We're going to talk about some precautions to take. But uh, despite your best precautions, uh, what you do for good could be used for bad and probably will be in time. But I do think let's let's err on the side of generosity rather than stinginess. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Certain, certain some attitudes and con- uh, considerations that we need to take and motivations as we think about giving. What about, I asked the question too, Jacob, is it wrong, Just we can, we can cover this one pretty fast, yep, I think. It's a one-verse one answer. Is it wrong to show special benevolent consideration to Christians versus non-Christians? There's a lot of needy people out there in the world. A lot of them are not Christians. A lot of them don't care a thing for God whatsoever, but they're needy. A lot of them don't know about the truth concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, but they're needy. But then on the other hand, there are some folks who are our brethren. There are some folks who are Christians in need. Would we be uh, wrong to show a special consideration for those who are Christians? We should. What should we do? Yeah. What's well, the one verse you're thinking? One verse, Galatians 6, verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. So there you go. We need to be benevolent towards all. But it goes on and clarifies, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So. A primary focus should be on those of our brethren. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that, I think that question, too, is easily answered. We're not doing anything wrong. In fact, we're following the guidance of Scripture when we show a special uh, consideration or concern for needy Christians. All right. Uh, uh, we maybe need to make some clarification. Guest 1303 asked the question in the chat room, generous without judgment? And certainly, n- no, we need to make some discernment. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to get to that. Uh, yeah, we're not done talking about it yet. And, 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 and we're going to talk about uh, the question four we asked, what are some of the things that would cause us to decide not to help somebody? So yeah. hang on to that for a minute. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. And then Anthony makes an excellent point. He says, you know, I was also realizing we are so bombarded with advertisements of material goods. Are we programmed to be covetous? How much more generous would we be if we weren't always planning for our next purchase that we saw on a Home Depot ad? I think you're right. Yeah, Anthony, uh, good good comment. Are we covetous? He also asked a question, a side question. What about accepting gifts or favors from charities when you give to them or even going to a charity meal where you are seen? Uh, 
Well, uh, you know, the idea is uh, uh, so this charity has you've been involved, you've been participating, and they have a recognition dinner. You know, yeah. <laughs> so well. you go and you and and you are and you receive recognition at. Uh, at that's not why you did it. Yeah, it's, and it's not. You know, there's two ways to be to be seen. One is to do it for that reason. Yeah. The other is to do it is because it is letting your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your yeah. Father which is in heaven. Matthew five verse sixteen. So, if People will see. People will know if you do good, if yeah. you are benevolent. But yeah. you're. But at the question is your motive. Are you doing it for that reason, yeah. or is it a side effect of, yeah. of what you're doing? And, and, and these uh, charitable uh, programs, you know, where they give give money and you'll be entered into a drawing. You know, uh, we're giving away a trip to everyone who gives and donates. Yeah, be sure to donate so you get into this drawing. Well, maybe your motivation there is uh, suspect if you're doing it because of what you might get out of it. All right, all right. Uh, Are we? Yeah, yeah we need a break. Let's grab a break. When we get back, we, we want to cover one more thing here and then get into some of those reasons why we would choose not to help certain people. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. this week's bullet point, and we take the discussion up again right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. One of the most famous episodes in the Bible is that of David's sin with Bathsheba and Nathan's subsequent confrontation with the king. It has been pointed out that David's confession stands as a model of what confession ought to be. We are awed by his simple, humble acknowledgement, quote, I have sinned against the Lord, 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. The level of his remorse so beautifully expressed in Psalm 51 is amazing. In this current me-centered, it's-not-my-fault age, there are some important lessons to learn. While many folks today would have tried hard to prove themselves the victim in this sad situation, observe David. He did not say... It's her fault. After all, Bathsheba was bathing in the open, 2 Samuel 11, verse 2. Surely she knew that someone might see her. Why didn't she take more precautions? Or maybe she wanted to be seen. Perhaps she hoped to entice the king. Whatever the case, she definitely carries a degree of responsibility in this matter, but David made no effort to shift the blame. He said, I have sinned. Notice again, he did not say, These are hard times. I have a very difficult job. You can't imagine the stress I'm under. All of these things would have been true, yet none of them served as a reasonable justification for what he did, and he knew it. He simply said, I have sinned. Or he might have said, other people let me down. Why didn't they do more to help me? If they'd been there for me, this wouldn't have happened. Well, yes, others could have stepped in to prevent the king's wicked deed. The messengers who were sent to fetch Bathsheba could have refused the king's command, but probably at the risk of losing their own heads. Joab, David's army captain, definitely could have objected to the murder of Bathsheba's husband, but David knew the bottom line, and he simply said, I have sinned. Or David might have said, I admit that I used poor judgment. It was an inappropriate relationship. Now, that's the sort of thing that's common for people to do today, that is, rename their sins. Perhaps they think that they can minimize their evil deeds by using lesser terms to describe them. This never works, and David did not try it. He said, I have sinned. So, Christian, are you always trying to make excuses for your sins? Do you blame others or point to extenuating circumstances? Do you use other terms to avoid admitting the reality of your wrongs? These things never work. Imitate the example of David. Try true confession. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. We're reminding you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about our meeting times and location at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're anywhere around Columbia, Tennessee, we encourage you to come and worship with us. Again, find our meeting times and locations at the website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email with your questions about something you may have heard, questions about uh, the Bible or a spiritual topic that you'd like discussed, or a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com, questions at collegeview.com uh, is the way 
you contact us at any time. We're talking about charity, benevolence, and uh, some considerations for that on the program tonight. Uh, certainly, we need to be generous. We need to be um, looking for opportunities. We need to be doing what Jesus commanded in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where neither thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We need yeah. to be getting where busy is, at where uh, is our heart? doing some laying up some treasure. Yeah. All right. Uh, one other thing I wanted to comment about when we talk about the attitudes that we need to possess in, in this important, important work of benevolence is let's not lose sight of what's most important of all, and that is men's souls, even more important than their physical condition. Uh, uh, you know, what's the most important thing we can do for a person? Feed their physical body or teach them the truth that will save their soul from hell? Well, that's an easy that's an easy question to answer. Now, typically, it's not either or. You know, uh, we, we we can do we can we can help if if it's a legitimate need to help them physically. But let's not forget that our emphasis is on teaching the gospel and saving men's soul. In Romans chapter fourteen, verse seventeen, uh, it says, "The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost." You know. Our our, uh, our emphasis on spiritual things has got to be uh, obvious, and and it ought to guide us that our that our real our real thrust is to do the work of God in the spiritual kingdom of God. But sometimes that involves helping physical needs. We're not denying that. That's really what we're talking about here tonight. But let's never forget that, and and let's never fail to be committed to the importance of men's soul even more than their physical condition right we certainly have an op- uh, an obligation but uh, a, a priority ought to be on the spiritual rather than the physical jesus commanded in john six twenty seven, labor not for the meat <coughs> excuse me labor not for the meat which perisheth but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life okay uh anthony in the chat room says uh about the physical versus the spiritual uh, not chat room rather but by email anthony said I almost wonder if we should keep these two things separate. This way we don't cross lines and folks don't draw the wrong conclusions. Let's help folks because we're commanded to do so. Let's teach them as we have opportunity. But maybe that should come naturally and not as a connected effort, uh, he says. And I do think that that, that maybe – and we want to talk about that when we get to question five. What about this idea, wow, you've got to feed their body so you have a chance to feed their soul. And some people will justify all kinds of – unauthorized and unscriptural practices on the basis of that kind of reasoning. So as Anthony says, it's good in a way to keep those two things separated. Thank you for those good thoughts tonight, and keep them coming in the chat room. Uh, Mike agrees with Anthony's thoughts, especially about covetousness. I'm afraid we are uh, guilty of covetousness if we're not careful in the society that we live in today. Uh, so let us uh, let's be careful of that, as it will stand in the way of us uh, being benevolent and laying up that treasure in heaven that we should be laying up. Okay. Earlier in the chat room, uh, guest thirteen o three says, "Should we be generous without judgment?" And the and the one word answer to that is no. We should not be. And we ask question number four: What are some of the things that should cause us to decide not to help a certain individual in need? Well, uh, first of all, we should be careful not to participate in other men's sins. <clears throat> and to that extent, I think we have a right and, and really even an obligation to know that what we're giving will not be used for sinful purposes. Now, we mentioned this briefly earlier. Uh, you know, a lot of us have, have sort of come to a conclusion that we don't give cash money to people who are asking for help. Because it's just too great a temptation to take cash and use it for things that shouldn't be used for. So, I, uh, it, it's a rare thing when when people ask for help here that we give cash money. Uh, we can we can buy them things that are needed 
and buy it for them so they don't the cash doesn't pass through their hands so they don't have an opportunity to take it and misuse it but as i said earlier even you make your best effort to follow that rule and they can still you know they can siphon the gas back out of their tank and sell it for pennies on the dollar so they can take the money and go buy some beer if they're going to do that i can't stop them you know uh and but but i i can take legitimate precautions to try and avoid aiding them in their sin, participating with them in their sin. A contemporary term for that would be enabling. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's uh, God puts it this way in Ephesians 5, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Yeah. we got to make sure that we're not... Uh, and, and the Lord would not... If, if the guy's going to... So I, I carried him a sack full of groceries. If he's going to go and... I, I spent $20 for that sack of grocery, and he's going to take it and sell it for 2 bucks so he can buy you know, uh, a bottle of beer... The Lord's not going to hold me accountable for that. I mean, right. I, that was not my intention. That was not my purpose. I took some effort to avoid that happening. Right. It happened anyway. I'm not responsible for that. Okay. All right. Secondly, I think we want to be careful about not encouraging people to be lazy. And sad to say, there are just some lazy people out there. And the reason why they don't have food to eat or they don't have their utility bill hasn't been paid and their lights have been cut off or whatever you can lay it at their feet of laziness. Right. And there are just some lazy people out there. And they'd rather ask for a handout than to get out and uh, do what they can to help themselves. And that is a fact. Now, Jacob, you earlier used the expression, we become jaded, I think, you know, by people in need. I, I didn't use that expression, but that is a good expression. What, what did you say? You used cynical. Cynical. Cynical, yeah. 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 Uh, because there's a lot of those kind of people out right. there. Uh uh, and and we got to be careful that we're not encouraging people who could help themselves by doing it for them when they could be doing it for themselves. And, of course, the verse that always comes to mind is Second Thessalonians 3, verse 10. Paul said, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Very plain statement. And uh, now we're strong on that part. We're, you know, and, and I think maybe sometimes we justify ourselves for not doing what we could do by saying, well, if he won't work, he shouldn't eat. You know, well, Maybe. that's true. But let's be let's let's let some of those other positive attitudes we had also factor into our decision making as well. All right, let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to call. It's uh, quiet on the phones. Uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts there uh, in the chat room as well. You know, Jesus said in uh, he's quoted in Acts twenty as having said, uh, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." Well, that's true for us. It's more blessed for us to give than to receive. And so we get a blessing when we give. But, you know, if we're giving to people who don't legitimately deserve what we're giving, then then we're taking away the blessing that they should be seeking in, in working with their own hands and having so that they can give to others. Yeah. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul actually encourages work. Right. Uh, he says in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. And so if we're if we're enabling, use the word enabling, if we're enabling someone who could be working for himself and then also being able that, that he therefore could help others, we're taking away from him that blessing of more blessed to give than to receive. All right, a principle there that's uh, not limited to just the ex-con man. It's uh, for us all that we should be working, uh, not so we can lay up treasure for ourselves, but so that we can have to give to those who are in need. And so certainly it needs to be a priority, and uh, we need to be encouraging all to be busy working so that they can have to give to those in need. All right. Uh Along those same lines, James said in James uh, 2, we we should not give to those who could and should help themselves. That's the principle we're setting forth here. Uh, uh, I knew a guy once who was asking the church to give help because he just felt that he and his family had been overwhelmed and... with stress and he just thought they needed to go on vacation and he wanted the church to fund a Gatlinburg vacation for his family for him and his wife and his children well that's not 
you know, that's not in the realm of benevolence, I guess is what we're saying. James said, if a brother or sister be naked, destitute of daily food, those were the situations, those were the kind of, that's James 2, beginning verse 15. Uh, you know, when we talk about benevolence, we're not talking about uh, uh, extravagant gifts and gourmet food. And, you know, uh, we're giving, benevolence means helping people with their necessities. Right. Not, the, not their extravagancies. Right. Okay. Uh, now, let's go... What time we got here? We, 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 we've got a, just a little bit here before we need to get to break. Uh, we got a question out there. Maybe we'll, we'll pose the question and grab our last break. But the, the, the idea of what about using these sort of things that we've been describing tonight, you know, benevolence, helping people with uh, uh, food, clothing, shelter. But what we're really doing is we're putting out bait. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we hope to bait them with these things, uh, the promise of a free meal or some help with their utility bill or some some free clothes, because we, what we really want to do is that we want to attract them to the church. You know, we want to use the benevolence as sort of a tool to reach them. And the way we posed that uh, in our questions is, what about this idea of feeding the body so that we'll have a chance to feed the soul? Okay. A lot of people, lots of religious people operate on on the premise of that philosophy. What about it? All right. Is that a, uh, a biblical principle? Should we uh, feed the body or attract with the food and the benevolence in order to have a chance to maybe make a spiritual uh, application and make some uh, make converts? What do you think? We're going to go to a break and then go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the Virtual Bible Study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Americans give to churches more than any nonprofit organization. More than half of Americans, 54%, have given money to a church in the past year. Half that number have given to a nonprofit other than the church also at 22%. The remaining one quarter or 24% of people have given to neither churches nor nonprofits in the past year. Those who identify as practicing Christians tend to be more generous overall than their secular counterparts. 96% of practicing Christians gave to a church or a nonprofit compared to just 60% among atheists and agnostics. That information is via Barna.com. The Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible We're study. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about benevolence and considerations for our need to be absolutely benevolent and uh, what are some do's and don'ts in those regards. You asked a question before the break. What about using uh, material attractions as bait to get people uh, to... Come so we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Lots of comments in the chat room. I think you hit a nerve. Uh, real quickly, I want to go a step back just a little bit. Anthony, in an email that he sent in, said about uh, uh, helping those who could help themselves. He said, I've heard it preached that we should simply help people who appear to be in need and we should not try to talk ourselves out of it. I can see the point, but I think most of us are hesitant to help people we think have ulterior motives or are being dishonest. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, some basic questions or tests can be employed, but many folks are too innocent to employ these tests, and I agree. He says, uh, but about using benevolence as bait or to get them so so we can teach them, he says, really, there's two separate things. And he quotes, man shall not live by bread alone. 
feed him the most important thing, the word. And if he's in physical need, assist this too. But don't link the two together. And I think that's true. All right. Uh, Mike in the chat room says he references John 6, verses 26 and 27. Jesus pointed out that the crowd only followed him to be fed, then pointed them towards spiritual things. Verses following indicate Jesus never fed them, but instead taught them. And so uh, Mike says Jesus wasn't using the bait and switch tactic. Yeah, I think that's really. Uh, and Mike, I was going to, I was going in the same direction. In John six, verse twenty six, the fact of the matter is, just earlier in, in that text, Jesus had fed them. Right. They'd been with him three days before he offered them any food. So it wasn't that he attracted them with food. But but when they were they were famished and yeah, he did he did miraculously and compassionately provide food for them. But the next day when they came to him again, he perceived that they were coming just for the food. And in verse twenty six, he said, "Verily, verily, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled." And he did not feed them again when he knew that was their ulterior motive. All right, and then Philip in the chat room references Galatians chapter six. Beginning of verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He goes down to verse 9 of Galatians 6, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Philip says, here Paul, in a sense, tells us what to do and points to spiritual yeah, as the priority. Yeah, connect that to his next. For welfare first. Spiritual welfare first. Oh, spiritual welfare first, and then helping with other burdens, uh, starting with the people of God. Okay, I think that's right. Good. Yeah, thank you, Philip, for that. And then, uh, I guess, 1303 references Matthew 6, uh, verses 3 and following, uh, where don't let your right hand know what your left hand and is doing. And don't do your alms to be seen of men. We referenced that passage earlier. But note, I think I think what's interesting there, and, and guess 1303 probably uh, is, is putting it in there, putting that verse up there to emphasize uh-huh. that, it, There's it's, the connection. that it's assumed you would be doing alms. N- notice Jesus assumes you're going to be doing alms. And he just says, don't do it to be seen of men. But but I think what's implied there is, of course you'll be doing alms. You're supposed to do alms. Just don't do it to be seen of men. And maybe in the discussion here, I don't know exactly what 1303 is thinking, but perhaps it's related to this idea of the bait-and-switch tactic. I'm going to yeah. do my alms. I'm going to put it out there. Hey, come for the, the free yeah. loaves and fishes, uh, and then we'll get you some gospel. So we see what we're doing, and then maybe you'll want to listen to what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, another thing uh, that that I think we want to be careful on is, you know, and I don't think we come close to this, but there is the danger that we might give at the expense of meeting our own obligations. Yeah. Uh, and and our first obligation is to our own. You know, First Timothy five verse eight: If any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so, I, I, honestly, I, I don't see this being a great threat, but it, it, one of the limitations on giving would be if I can't even provide for myself, I cannot be trying to help someone else either. But we maybe need to set expectations as to what that providing means. And the, back to Anthony's thoughts on covetousness, that doesn't mean that we have all the stuff that we could ever imagine we wanted, and then we'll give. Uh, We need to set our expectations on what that providing for our own house looks like. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, real quickly, we want to touch on something that is an issue in regards to benevolence, and that is the church's role in helping needy people. Uh, We've got whole programs on this in the archives of the virtual Bible study. It is a point of contention, and there are folks who disagree, sadly, on this subject. But the New Testament clearly teaches that the church, as a collective body, is limited in doing benevolent work toward needy Christians only. Uh, there, there's a number of passages we don't, <coughs> excuse me, we don't nearly have enough time to go through them all tonight. But every time you see a collective action on the part of the church in assisting people with physical or benevolent needs. It's always directed toward needy Christians. Uh, 
Again, we don't have we don't have time to reference that, but it is in our archives. If you, if might you want check to look. the program from February fifth, two thousand and fifteen, Church Benevolence, February fifth, two thousand fifteen. Uh, there's also a program from two thousand six, going back uh, over ten years now. Uh, Church Benevolence, two perspectives, uh, from August tenth, two thousand six. Yeah, I so, believe that was. Uh, I think that, we had an interview. Yeah, we had an interview there with yeah. someone who disagreed with us on that on, yeah. back in two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, the fact of the matter is, and, and I think the scriptures are so clear on this, the fact of the matter is that there's a difference between individual responsibility and action and collective or church involvement. Right. Uh, the, the, a verse that really bears that out is 1 Timothy 5, verse 16. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them. And let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So look, here's here's a fella, and in his family, he's got some needy relatives. That's his job, and the church should not be charged so that the church can do its work in the realm of others who don't have such family assistance available. But what that verse establishes is there's two realms of responsibility. One realm of the individual and what he should be doing, another realm of the church and what the church should be doing. Some people try to to blur that line all the time, and and I, through the years I've talked to a lot of people. Said anything that the, an individual could do, the church can do, and that is such a, a a mistaken statement. That's just wrong from the scripture. I I I think you could write a list as long as your arms of things that an individual could do that the church cannot do, but in regards to benevolence, the church cannot do everything an individual can do. I can and should Galatians 6 verse 10. We already read Galatians 6 verse 10. Study the context of Galatians 6. You'll find that it is clearly speaking to individuals. Start verse 1 and just highlight the, the pronouns that are used all through the verses down to verse 10. It's clearly a passage addressed to individual Christians. And it says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And especially those of the household of faith. So as an individual Christian, I can help all men. I should help all men. I, every Again, it goes to this idea of responsibility. I'm responsible. If I have opportunity and ability, I'm responsible to help. And I can direct that help to all men, all uh, uh, worthy recipients of my individual benevolence. But when it comes to the church acting as a collective body, we only have the the authority for the church to help needy saints. That's clearly the pattern that's set forth in the scriptures. It is, and so we, it, it is a matter of authority. We don't have any authority. We'd have no example, no command, uh, no unavoidable conclusion where first century churches were engaged in general benevolence for not to non Christians. We just don't have that example or that authority. And so we conclude that it uh, is not in the church's charter. It's not we have no authority as a church to be engaged in those activities. And you reference again 1 Timothy 5, verse 16. The significance of that is it shows us that the responsibilities between the individual and, and the church are different in certain aspects. And one of those aspects being, we believe, that the church is in, to uh, provide relief for its saints, for, for Christians, but it has not been given the authority for helping those who are non-Christians. That does not mean that Christians shouldn't help non-Christians, but we would use passages like Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, that would give the instruction and command to Christians as individuals to be helping all men. But again, the church simply just doesn't have that authority. doesn't mean that we're not going to help non-Christians. We're just going to do it a different way. Exactly right. You know, uh, uh, you know it's not an either-or. In other words... Here's a needy person in the community. He's not a Christian, and the ch- so if the church doesn't help him, he's gonna he's gonna starve to death. No, those are not the only two options. Yeah, there's a, there's the option of individuals who can and should help him if he's legitimately needy. Yeah. Uh, but the church is not authorized to be involved in helping. Uh, and you know, uh, again, it's a it's a, a basic question of Bible authority. Yeah. What is what is the pattern set yeah. forth in the right. scripture? Uh, and it's not just to be in. We're not just being picky. And we're not being mean hearted. No, no, not at all. We're, we're saying if we do something without authority, if we're going to say, well, you know, I don't see authority for the church. But it seems like a good idea. 
You do that, then you've thrown up in the door for anything and everything. Yeah. Uh, if you say, well, we're going to just go, we're, we're going to do something that seems good to us here, but we don't see an example of it or authority for it in the New Testament, well, then you've just given up every bit of dirt you have to stand on uh, for any other subject that someone might propose. Exactly right. All right. Well, good comments tonight. Certainly, um, benevolence is on people's mind this time of year. It should be on our minds all through the year. And uh, some good encouragements, Dad, to uh, perhaps uh, step it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to be a benevolently minded people. God wants us to be. We need to, we need to emphasize that more so than we, than we do, I'm sure. All right. Kyle, I uh, haven't uh, gotten to you. I don't even know that I introduced you tonight, Kyle, but uh, you are the man behind the curtain tonight, and thank you for helping us get on the air. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, it's good to be here. Any uh, comments? Uh, we'll just... Uh... I think it's really, uh, as a Christian, we need to be benevolent, uh, not just monetarily, but with just uh, kindness, especially sure. if, uh, yeah. if you can't uh, give monetarily. You know, give. You can always be benevolent with the gospel, of course. So it's in every opportunity, give uh, kindness and give well, yeah, your Good time. comment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's an excellent comment. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a monetary gift. It could just be simply uh, your company uh, to someone who needs uh, some some encouragement or uh, some. Maybe you can lend a hand and help. And so that's an opportunity that we'd have to be benevolent. So excellent comment. All right, uh, Dad, thanks for a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Again, we encourage you to contact us with suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study or questions you might have about something you've heard, questions at collegeview.com. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.